The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about building a smart, scalable customer success program that utilizes the best of people, processes, and software. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Sunsire Perez, co-founder of Koala and mentor with Techstars Boston. Sunsire, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, so why don't we start by uh, giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing with Koala. Absolutely. So yes, I've been in entrepreneurship or early stage tech now for almost two decades. Oh my goodness, which is a really long time, (laughs) which means I'm still learning. (laughs) There is uh, so, uh, you know, so much exciting knowledge to amass when you're creating something from scratch over and over again. And I think that's what really motivates me to stay in startups. And um, it's been a fun journey thus far. Uh, A little bit about Koala. So we know that data is important, except about 80% of the data that companies have access to is, um, is qualitative in nature. It's streaming in from our teams and prospects and customers, and it's really messy. So for us, we've built a what we call a frontline intelligence platform um, that's always on, and it brings data from wherever it is, whatever channel or tool your teams are using to connect with your customers. We bring that into Koala, and we allow you to mine it, essentially. So um, it's a play. Koala is a play on qualitative, and uh, it's been really exciting to to build and watch this company grow over the last three years. Nice. That's great. Well, yeah, let's let's dive in then. And so you know, let's talk about technology's role in delivering successful customer interactions. So we often hear about great examples of customer experience and customer service, and often they involve people delivering great experiences one-on-one, but that's really hard to scale, right? So this is where technology comes in. How should companies think about using technology to scale customer success where relying on their people alone simply won't work? Great question. And I think to take a, a, a step back, um, not all problems or opportunities can be solved with technology. A lot of us, as we're looking at our business, and obviously I didn't create this this uh, concept, but when we're trying to decide how to solve a certain problem, we're either looking at uh, the people. Do we need to add 
new people to the team or do we need to move individuals around or processes? Is there something fundamentally broken or that needs to be optimized about we go, how we go about doing something um, and the motions that we're, that we're using? Or yes, platforms. How can we enable technology or purchase new technology that will be woven into our tech stack that helps us hopefully scale and maybe automate in some places and be a helpful bullhorn for the cause. And I advise companies or, you know, in growing Koala um, to make sure that before you automatically jump to tech, that you're looking at the different opportunities to solve the problem holistically, because of course, tech won't necessarily solve something that might be a people problem or a process problem. And then of course, vice versa. So if you've decided and you've, you've looked at the people process and platform and you've decided it's time um, to invest in a platform, usually the indicators of that are that you have amazing people on the team working as hard as they can and being very as efficient as they can with their time. And your processes, although not perfect, have been honed and you feel really good about those. People are following, following them. They're simple and focused enough where individuals are able to follow that path and, and get done what they need to get done. Um, but you're still missing the mark. Um, and usually missing the mark means that you've just hit a scalability point, some sort of an inflection point in your business. Maybe you've drastically increased the number of customers that you're working with. Maybe the complexity of the business has just increased. Um, or maybe you just have your team asking you over and over again if they can have something to help them um, scale or do their work more efficiently. And then it's good to take a look at a platform um, once you've sort of identified those opportunities and make sure as you're looking at different tools to add to your tool stack that you are involving the team as much as possible, individuals on the front lines, so you get tactical and strategic feedback on what the platform should do for you as a leader and also, of course, what the platform should do for you if you're a contributor. And just the last piece I'll mention on this is if you're looking at workflow transformation tools, and this means fundamentally you're asking your team to not necessarily do their work how they're doing it today, but to do it in another way, likely this new platform that you're looking to vet, um, be aware that engagement could be a major issue. And you want to make sure that you're getting help from the, the partner on how to make sure that workflow transformation actually happens at a, an efficient cadence and the team has the support that they need in order to understand how this new type of work should be done. To kind of follow on that, I mean, I think the technology to, to your to your earliest point, I think, you know, technology is not necessarily the solution to every problem, but when it is a solution to a problem, um, it's often, at least in my experience, it's often the people in the process that um, have the greatest opportunity to enable, but also the greatest opportunity mm. to kind of get in the way of, of it working well. What, is, what, what would your advice be? I mean, you touched on this already, um, but, you know, what would your advice be to those that are kind of struggling with, you know, they found the right technology solution, but they're, they're struggling with adoption? Sure. It, it's so it's so common. It's one of the reasons why here at Koala, we're, we're not building a, a platform that is, you know, a workflow uh, that's involved in workflow transformation. We're allowing teams to do work, their work wherever they're currently doing it and then bringing all that data into Koala. Um, so, you know, engagement is tough. And I've, I've seen that in some of my past businesses 
even the the pricing and our ability to upgrade was solely based on the participation of our customers. And that was really tough. So I would say if if you're having difficulty with your frontline managers using the, the platform that you bought, it's sort of like long division where you can't just go back to the last line item and, and try to fix it. You have to go all the way back to the beginning where you first started the mathematic, yeah. solving the mathematical yeah. problem. And um, ask yourself, did I involve the necessary team members in this process, in this decision before I acted um, on a purchase? And that, that, if that answer is no, that's okay. It doesn't mean you have to unwind the entire purchase and everything's lost. But it's just helpful to realize that maybe we were forcing the team to use this product and, and not involving them in the decision-making process. And I know you, we can't do that all the time, so definitely no judgment. So I would go all the way back to the beginning did I involve the necessary people? If I didn't, that's fine. How do I involve them today? How do I speak to the value prop of this tool? How do I lean on the actual partner providing the solution to provide either case studies or maybe webinars or overviews for the team so that the team can catch the opportunity? How do I start off simply? Of course, a lot of us, when we purchase platforms, we are looking at the big picture and the vision of what that platform could do for us in the next one, two, three, four, five years. And we try to get at it all in the first 30 days. So can I, you know, can you unwind some of those expectations and focus the team on some of the small things that they can do to see value as soon as possible, and then build on some of those other components of feature adoption that will provide you with greater benefit. And just a message to all the leaders out there, I think a lot of times when we purchase tools, we are very clear on the benefit to us. That doesn't mean that there's really any direct benefit for the person using the tool or we want to use the platform day in and day out. So we have to put on our storytelling hats and and put our, you know, our, our empathy hats on and um, try to decide, you know, how can we explain this in a way where it's clearly beneficial to them or they just, you can't force, en- I mean, you can force engagement, but it doesn't work long-term. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that description. And, you know, so for those that have listened to this and they're like, man, that sounds like a lot of work and, and a lot of effort <laughs> and everything like that, you know, I'll ask the inverse question is like, what's the cost of not investing in customer success and, and all of this stuff? Oh, wow. Yeah. I love this. Of, of course, uh, you know, in many cases, customer success teams are undervalued and underinvested in, and that goes back to our financial modeling. Of course, this is a team that that you know their budget comes out of COGS, and COGS is usually squeezed first, unless they're a revenue generating team. And there definitely is a large trend for customer success teams to be focused on upsell, cross sell, renewal, and expansion. If that's the case, and I would definitely advise CS leaders and, and team leaders to to focus on those sales metrics as possible because it definitely shifts some needed power over to the customer success team when they begin driving revenue and not just engagement, not just adoption of the tool, but actual revenue to the bottom line of the company. Um, so I would say, you know, try to own a piece of that pie and that gives you a lot more opportunity to advocate for the things that your team needs and teams that are customer success teams that are focused on generating revenue for many companies are generating 50, 60, 70% of revenue because as we all know, sales is hard. Selling new customers, getting new logos on board is difficult. 
it's much, I don't want to say it's much easier because that's not necessarily the case. I'm probably, I'll probably get some <laughs> eye rolls from customer success <laughs> teams and leaders. It's not easy. It's just that it's a ripe opportunity that's available to you given the relationship you have with the customer and how you sit with them that, you know, it's, it's almost just a shame not to mine it. So let's uh, talk a little bit more about the technology of enabling customer success. So, you know, as co-founder of Koala, uh, what were some of the gaps in the market that you identified and how did you go about solving them? Yeah, I, I love this question because obviously it's why we're here working on this opportunity with our one lives. Uh, we're very, very passionate about what we're building over here at Koala. And the reason why we're building our platform, we've invested our our time and resources over the last several years is that we we noticed that customer success teams frankly, all frontline teams. And when I talk about frontline teams, I'm meaning anyone on your team that has conversations with prospects or with customers. So this could be pre-sales teams, sales teams, marketing teams, product teams, of course, and near and dear to my heart, customer success teams. And what we noticed is individuals on the front lines having customers, customer conversations and or prospect conversations day in and day out have amassed a gold mine of insets that reside in their brains, in their notes, in the channels by which they had those conversations, maybe Zoom or Gong or Slack or email or SurveyMonkey. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And most companies have invested in 9, 10, 11 platforms that help their frontline teams better engage their customers. But why is this? You know, a while ago, we saw a shift in the market where Customer uh, customers began to dictate how and when they would hear, hear from the companies that they had made purchases from. Used to be that the companies actually dictated when they reached out to customers, but the the, right. the shift, you know, there was a shift and it changed. And so now that customers are telling us how they want to hear from us, it means that we have created multi-channel approaches to how they can reach us and how we can reach them. Which means this qualitative data is being amassed in all of these different places. And we just saw there's no way for us to aggregate this together and have a single view of what these conversations look like and how we should, what are the themes being discussed and how do we weave those themes into um, the analytics that we're providing our team members and what that means for how we think about strategic decision-making at the company, you know, product roadmaps, stage, you know, stages with our customers, the overall um, way we compete and message the market. So that's that's the gap that we noticed, and we set out to solve that problem. And you know, today we we created this this idea or you know new opportunity around being a frontline intelligence platform because we want to be a bullhorn for the cause for these frontline teams and help them present clear analytics based on their conversations and not just anecdotes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to kind of follow on that, I mean, why is it so important to focus on the entire? customer journey, you know, instead of these individual touch points, I mean, obviously every touch point is, is important from a customer experience perspective, they all add up and, and some may have a, um, you know, have a different effect or, or more of an effect than others. But you know, why is it? Why is it so important to think more holistically about the journey and, and the customer experience? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, those of us that are at inflection points or about to hit inflection points with our company, looking at every single individual data point just becomes completely unscalable. 
and frankly, a little pretty debilitating. You know, we talk about this idea of drinking from the fire hose and being completely drowned in an ocean of analytics. Um, when we look at the different data points um, in silos, it just does not paint the picture. It's like, I, I don't know, I, you know, I'm dating myself, but in the in the 80s and 90s, there was this surge of art where you had all of these different pixels um, that if you looked at the artwork from afar, all you saw were a bunch of different squares with, you know, varying colors. Um, but if you were able to zoom out a bit and take a few steps back, you could actually see the picture that was being painted. Yeah, And yeah. looking at data across all of your sources historically over time is exactly like that, that painting or that, that digital rendering of you know, a, a scene where if you look at it too closely, you just see a bunch of blocks and you don't know how to make sense of it. Yeah, you might see one block is yellow, one block is green, but you're missing the broader landscape of that you know, beautiful sunset that you just don't see when you're when you're looking looking too closely. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about B two B companies specifically. What what are some of the things that make B two B companies unique and uh, unique in customer success programs specifically? Mm, sure, sure. Well, you know, a while ago when we saw the advent of SaaS. Um, and we started charging our customers uh, month over month over month instead of just having them pay a one-time fee for our software and then going off and you know figuring out how to use it themselves. I mean, now just as a concrete example, you know, you used to be able to buy your Microsoft 365 on a little CD and then you'd install it in your computer and you never heard about how to use different parts of it other than maybe Clippy. Um, which right. not many of us really appreciate. Don't get me started on Clippy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, dating myself. <laughs> um, but now that's not the case. Now it is the responsibility of B2B SaaS companies to provide the tools and resources and knowledge base and relationships uh, in order for their companies or excuse me, their customers to understand exactly how to use their products and services. And that's because we benefit directly. I mean, bringing it home to Koala, we benefit from our customers being more engaged in our product. Um, and because we benefit, the onus is on us. Of course, we're tying our value to our customer's value. And, and when they win, we win. Um, but that's that's the shift that we saw a while back in B2B SaaS. And it's really fundamentally changed how we all do business. And it's, it's changed the nexus of, of power you know, on onto the customer or shifted it onto the customer where, you know, it's our responsibility, Koala here, to make sure that we are creating an environment where teams can use our products easily, where they love it, and they're talking to other people about it. Talking about B2B or even, you know, just in generally, um, you know, what level of success should companies be striving for in their customer success programs? Um, and should perfection be the goal or, you know, what is, what is really the goal? Yes. So a part of the evolution of customer success, and we're seeing just an explosion of interest, we're seeing heads of customer success move into chief customer officer roles and into CEO roles. I think it's showing that the, the idea that we can source innovation um, and, you know, overall improvements from our prospect and customer basis is so pivotal to the work the work that we do. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's important thing. And it's very exciting to see this shift. Now, of course, the end goal, it, it's, I, I hate answering with, it depends. 
Um, but it does depend on the company and their business, and it depends on the leadership and the culture that they're striving for. I have a type A personality, of course, and in the past have been driven largely by perfection. I can say that that never works. It's just not possible in the real world. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, we can get as, as close as, as, as possible. And many of us, you know, when we're thinking of hiring plans, we want to hire the best people possible that could do the job that we're doing right now way better than we ever could and just get out of their way. Um, so when we think about success metrics, of course, you know, perfection is really difficult to achieve if even possible. And, but the metrics that most customer success teams are looking at, um, some flavors are looking at NPS. Um, I wouldn't really advocate NPS uh, to be that the the gold standard for customer success teams, but you can start there. And and the reason why that's important is you want to make sure that the experience you're providing your customers that they're referencing that and sharing that and shouting that from the rooftop. So it's a it's one indication of success and growth. And um, I personally think that looking, of course, at churn and uh, revenue growth metrics is a really powerful way to drive value and to also show, you know, value for your customers and show the value of your teams to the rest of your company. And one easy way to do that is just through net revenue retention. Um, so I would, I would say that's a good, simple place to grow to, or if you want to bypass the happiness metric of NPS, just go right to, um, net revenue retention and, that can be a really helpful way to understand the customer success impact on the business. Great. Great. Well, one last question before we wrap up here, um, you know, just on, on the topics we've, we've covered uh, quite a, quite a bit of ground here today, but you know, on any of these topics, do you have any recommendations for something that someone could read, listen to just to learn more about some of the things you were talking about? Oh, sure. Sure. Of course, please check out, um, the Koala blog that we have, it's quala.io. There are some great resources. I hope you find them helpful to the cause. Um, so I'd say that's one area. Also, there are so many fantastic customer success communities. There's Gain, Grow, Retain, Koala, ourselves. We have a, a community called Humans of Customer Success. It's a free Slack community. We have, I want to say, almost a thousand people that are a part of it. Um, and there are so many more. Most customer success focused platforms um, have some sort of organic uh, community that comes with them. Some of that's closed to just customers, but some of them are open. So take a look at some of your your uh, the tools that are near and dear to your heart that you love, and it could be that they have that they have something available to you. Um, and uh, I can also send you after the fact uh, one of my favorite blogs, which of course the name is escaping me right now. That's great for founders and CEOs looking to understand the impact of CS and how they can harness these teams to help, you know, take companies to the next level. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, um, and if somebody wants to get in touch with you or Koala, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So I'm not on any social media except for LinkedIn. So feel free to find me and message me. It's just uh, uh, sincere, S-O-N-C-I-A-R-Y is tacked on to the end of the, the URL. And then, um, of course, if you want to email me, it's sincere at koala.io. And then our website and blog are that are at koala.io. Um, if, you, if you just want to chat or network or say hello, please feel free to reach out. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank sincere Perez, co-founder of Koala, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. 
Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.